the FBI issues a warning of potential hacks of America's election systems and buying security wares that make your organization vulnerable. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We start off today's report with a flash warning from the FBI. The Bureau is notifying state boards of election in the United States to be on alert for possible cyber attacks. The FBI issued the so-called Amber Alert on August 18th following the intrusions of IT systems operated in two states. The alert did not name the states, but officials in Arizona and Illinois had previously revealed their systems had been hacked. The FBI alert became public this week and lists the internet protocol addresses and other technical fingerprints associated with the breaches. Some security experts reportedly say the evidence left on the state's computers point to the Russians, though no one is officially saying that. A local election official posted a message on Facebook from the Illinois board's voting director who characterizes the state's attack as being highly sophisticated and most likely from a foreign nation. According to the general counsel of the Illinois Board of Election, Ken Menzel, Illinois officials shuttered the state's voter registration system in late July after hackers downloaded personal data of up to 200,000 state voters. The Arizona attack was more limited and involved introducing malware into the voter registration system. Here is Secretary of State Michelle Reagan speaking with Phoenix TV station KNXV. We took our entire voter registration database offline so it could be inspected by a cybersecurity team. So the best of our knowledge and the best of their knowledge, um, no information was either hacked or stolen or compromised from our database. The FBI issued the alert days after Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson held a teleconference with state election officials offering the federal government's help in assisting them to maintain the integrity of the American election system. Elections, even those for president, are run by the states. There are some short-term, long-term things I think that we should do to bolster the cybersecurity around the election process. I am considering communicating with election officials across the country about best practices in the short term. There are some best practices that exist, and I think we need to share those best practices with state and local election officials soon. And then I think that there are probably longer-term investments we need to make in the cybersecurity of our election process. I think that there are various different points in the process that we have to be concerned about. This is something that we're very focused on right at the moment. It's not just America that's concerned about the integrity of the election process. As ISMG security and technology editor Jeremy Kirk reports from Sydney, innovative ways to secure the vote are being mulled in Australia. E-voting scares a lot of computer security experts. If a hacker steals your payment card details, it's a time-consuming annoyance, but it doesn't influence democracy. That's in part why experts are casting doubt on a plan by Australia's Postal Service, yes, that's right, the Postal Service, to research e-voting technology based on blockchain, the distributed computing technology that powers Bitcoin. Australia Post floated the idea in a paper presented before a public e-voting inquiry in the state of Victoria. Over the last decade, several Australian states and the federal government have held limited e-voting trials. Victoria held the inquiry to investigate better ways to secure such systems. The Postal Service believes that blockchain could, excuse the pun, deliver. For Bitcoin, the blockchain is a public ledger that records transactions that have been cryptographically verified by computers running the Bitcoin software. But other industries, particularly financial services and technology vendors, have been experimenting with blockchain. The technology cryptographically and irrefutably verifies that some action happened at some point in time. While there are security concerns around blockchain, it mostly works well and can be trusted. 
Australia Post thinks that blockchain could be used to record and store votes. Although its proposal was light on detail, it said credits could be allocated to voters, which would then be spent on candidates. Voters would be authorized to spend those credits after they receive secure digital keys. That's where it starts to get sticky, and looking to how Bitcoin works highlights some of the problems. A Bitcoin is transferred using a private encryption key, but Bitcoin exchanges and average users have had a lot of problems protecting those private keys from hackers. If the key is stolen, the attacker controls the Bitcoin. Vanessa Teague is a senior lecturer in the Department of Computing and Information Systems Department at the University of Melbourne. She says that e-voting has many other issues that the use of blockchain doesn't address. We need to have a good way of letting the Electoral Commission authenticate voters. We need to have a way of letting voters verify that the encrypted vote they've entered into the count accurately reflects the vote they meant to cast. And we need to have some kind of a way for the public or the scrutineers or the observers or somebody to verify that all of the submitted votes have been properly decrypted without breaking privacy. Teague says it does make sense to have a public ledger that stores encrypted votes, but there are at least two purpose-built e-voting systems that already do that and address the other concerns around e-voting. Australia Post's proposal is catchy given the blockchain buzz, but it's an ambitious project for an organization that has traditionally delivered parcels. It also comes after the Australian Bureau of Statistics failed in setting up a robust system for its largest online census earlier this month, causing a scandal that has thrown doubt on the government's ability to execute large-scale technology projects. The Postal Service hasn't set a firm timetable for the project, but it will focus on localized solutions for corporate, civic, and community organizations. Those smaller projects will allow it to gain insights into voter behavior and the demands required of a digital e-voting system. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Many IT security practitioners feel helpless about securing their organization's data. The recent dump of attack tools linked to the Equation Group is causing anguish within the IT security community. The Equation Group is widely believed to be tied to the U.S. National Security Agency and its tailored access operation team. And if top-flight intelligence agencies can develop attack tools that can hack into almost any technology to gain access to networks, decrypt tools, and monitor traffic, how can anyone secure their systems? I pose that question to my colleague, Data Breach Today Executive Editor Matt Schwartz. Hi, Matt. Hello, Eric. Well. Eric, I think a lot of organizations are suffering a bit of existential dilemma at the moment. They're saying if the NSA and other intelligence agencies can access our networks at will using the products and services that we buy from the same vendors in the same country as the NSA, what possible hope do we have for securing our network? I've been speaking about that with information security experts. What I'm hearing is that after you've coped with the anger, denial, depression, and bargaining, the acceptance of this problem has to do with creating layered security, conducting risk assessments of the vendors that you're working with, and also putting in place a healthy dose of monitoring because these sorts of attacks do leave traces as long as you're looking for them. It's good practice to think or to tabletop exercise if an intelligence organization such as the NSA should have direct access to our Cisco or any other devices. How might we go about spotting that and then blocking it? We shouldn't be surprised that NSA develops these exploits. Not at all. And I spoke with University of Surrey computer science professor Alan Woodward about that exact question. I'm surprised that people are surprised. It's rather like when the original Edward Snowden revelations came out. Everybody acted very shocked about it all. 
gosh, the NSA does electronic intelligence gathering. Well, read their website, and that's exactly what their mission is. They're a signals intelligence organization. So the modern form of signals is the internet. So not surprisingly, they're looking for all sorts of ways of how they can gather intelligence. And I have to say, I think there will be many signals intelligence organizations doing exactly the same thing around the world. NSA is considered the best among intelligence agencies, but not all intelligence services create exploits. Are they taking the high road or is it something else? It's important to remember that intelligence agencies aren't necessarily your friend. Their mission, and it is a mission, is not to protect enterprise IT. Their mission is also not to alert even domestic technology vendors when they find a flaw in their products. Their mission is to gather intelligence. That has to do with signals, which in this case is the internet. It's not that NSA is just finding these exploits out in the big bad wild and saying, ah, we'll use that. In fact, there's a lot of evidence that they're hiring former employees from Cisco, for example, in order to reverse engineer these products and to give themselves the types of unexpected exploits that their competitors might not have in order to help them fulfill their mission to the U.S. government. Here's Woodward discussing that exact paradigm. If a country claims it doesn't want to do it, then I don't really believe them. Secondly, if they start to complain about somebody else doing it, it probably means they just don't have the capability and they wish they could do it. So I think there's an element of playing politics with it. It all comes down to the fact that any government wants to be forearmed before they enter any situation. The bottom line is intelligence gathering stops wars and it helps governments protect their position, which is what the people of most country would want, I would think. Is there some point that NSA should share the details of the flaws directly with the effective vendors? In an ideal scenario, yes. Certainly in the case of the equation tool dump, NSA should have shared details of those flaws with technology vendors as soon as they determined that their tool set had gone missing. Because what we're faced with is these tools date from 2013, which makes it look like an outside party, perhaps Russian intelligence, has had the exact same tools and has thus had the exact same attack capabilities that the NSA had. It looks like some of these tools you needed to have access to the hardware itself, maybe diverting it when it was being shipped to a customer and installing it and then delivering it as if nothing had happened. It's not necessarily the case that these can all be remotely exploited, but I do think there's a duty of care incumbent on the NSA having designed these exploits to give vendors a heads up if they lose control of the exploit. Hmm, something to think about. Well, thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Charbro. Catch you next time.